Welcome to the Codifier Podcast. Codifier is a podcast about breaking down emerging trends and technologies into bite-sized chunks for everyone, from software developers to sales gurus to even your grandparents, so that they can stay clued in and techno-savvy in today's ever-changing world. Well, okay. Welcome to Codifier, episode 14. I am your host, Steve Jaguer, and I have to start with an apology. Uh, there hasn't been a podcast in way too long. We started off the new season in November with our kind of a, a new look at the Bitcoin and cryptocurrency situation. And then I promised monthly podcasts and I did not deliver. I was meant to have two podcasts and we spent so much time talking about which one we were going to release that we both got our wires crossed and released nothing. So let's try and get busy with fixing that. This episode of Codifier will be the first of 2019, and it is about mobile security, the inside job. This was going to be a comparison of major phones, breaking down some exploits, some weaknesses. I was potentially going to compare iOS to Android, you know, throw some fuel onto that already raging fire amongst the smartphone enthusiasts, which of course, if you're listening to a podcast, is you. Well, actually, all of us. I mean, maybe you're not a geek or a gadget nut, but you're probably far more dependent on that device than you may realize. You've probably never really put a great deal of thought into maybe how much you lock up into that phone. You might even have a Kanye West-style pin code like 0000000 to unlock it. And by the way, if you didn't see the article I posted on the Codifier Facebook page about the worst passwords and pin codes of 2018, it is worth a read. Kenye tops the bill. So, moving forward, let's start with setting the scene. What is inside your phone? A list in no specific order. Number one, your contact list. Essentially, everybody you know, but more importantly, People that make it into the contact list are likely people and phone numbers that you trust. If somebody calls you from one of these numbers, it's likely that you'll pick up. Unless, of course, it's that dodgy uncle, in which case he's in the phone specifically to avoid. But, you know, more importantly, this is a curated list or a short list of what you may have in your Facebook profile. Say Facebook is like a collection of people you've met at some point. I mean, I've got a guy on my Facebook friend list. I met at a blackjack table in Las Vegas once five years ago. That's pretty tenuous, but he's there. But he's not in my phone. So that's kind of a high value target already. As we know from various Facebook breaches, people are willing to do an awful lot and pay an awful lot to get access to that information. Imagine if they could get the information that's in your phone. Okay, number two, access to your email. This is by no stretch a number two. I'm guessing most people with a smartphone use it for email. That and the ability to surf the web are kind of the basic smartness of it being smart. Otherwise, it's just a camera phone. Remember when we used to call smartphones camera phones? Anyway, that feels like a million years ago. Your email has a lot more than you might think. It's got another list of contacts that you likely trust. It's also got emails from services or brands that you subscribe to. It's got mailing list emails that indicate your buying preferences and, again, domains that you trust. One of the biggest hazards of your email is that you probably use your email to reset passwords to services like 
your phone or internet supplier, your electricity, Facebook, your banking login. You get the idea. You can use your imagination to think about any other service that you use your email to log into. It, it could be staggering. Okay, number three, your text messaging. You might be thinking, okay, so what's the problem with that? I'm not texting illicit messages or engaging in spy stuff. So it's all just vacant messages about grocery lists and meetups with friends, right? No worries. Well, unfortunately, it's also likely that you might use your phone as a two-factor authentication or 2FA method. Now, you know how you can use email to reset your password? The smart thing to do there would be to have a two-factor authentication set up so that it uses another method to verify who you are other than just the password. The most common method to do this that most sites employ is your phone. Now, the downside of that is that you probably use your phone to access your email more often than maybe even your laptop. So essentially, if I have access to your phone, I have your email and I have your two-factor authentication source. So it's kind of pointless. And number four, a whole bunch of stuff. The catch-all, the rest. Your personal photos, maybe saved passwords you have in your browser because you didn't use a better storage mechanism like LastPass or something like that. Any of the default storage mechanisms that, that phones come with tend to be, I don't know, not that great. Now let's also think of apps that might be on your phone, like, I don't know, your banking app or PayPal or any of these sort of apps that control money. Maybe you've got a crypto wallet on your phone. All of these things could be vulnerable if I can get access to your phone. Essentially, your phone has become a single point of weakness for your entire identity. Yeah, it sounds like kind of a big deal, but it isn't anything to be shrugged off. So let's start with authentication. How do you get access to your phone? Now, I'm going to talk a little bit about that before I talk about how all of that can be circumvented. The first thing and I think I've discussed this previously in the password podcast. The first one is something you know, and that is a password or a secret question about your mother's maiden name, something like that. Something you have is number two. Now, that could be the phone itself, and that's the theory behind that two-factor authentication text message, or some workplaces issue these kind of RSA key fob things with numbers on them. Something you have. Now, the final method of authentication is something you are, and that is your fingerprint recognition or your facial recognition or retinal scans as they tend to use in uh, sci-fi movies. Now, there are problems with all of these. Number one, something you know is something you can forget. That's why password reset mechanisms exist. But what you don't know is that while web applications are very good at creating secure logins, they tend to forget to make the password reset just as secure. Many an account takeover has started with the password reset. Now, number two, something you have is something you can lose. I feel I've already poked a few holes in that one anyway. If you're using the something you have to log in and use the something you know, well, you've kind of uh, negated that second factor of authentication already. And now the final one, number three, something you are is immutable. Now, something you are is the best method for authentication. You can neither lose nor forget your fingerprint or face. And ideally, unless we're in a Mission Impossible film, of course, nobody can get it from you. Technologies surrounding these methods are improving rapidly, but there's always the possibility that nation states are also working on ways to imitate or circumvent these as well. Now, if somehow a 
fingerprint or facial recognition became compromised, well, you're pretty stuffed because you can't change it like you could a password. Okay, so how could somebody get access to your phone? Outside of the obvious, leaving your phone unattended while you go for a tinkle without locking it. Well, that usually only results in your, quote, friends posting on your Facebook page a friendly message about you deciding to marry your brother or some other wacky hijinks. What I'm suggesting instead is what I'm going to call an inside job. And the puppet in this criminal masterstroke is unfortunately you. One of the biggest differences between Android and iOS is that Android allows you to load apps from somewhere other than its official Google Play Store. This is where I'm going to start to get hate mail. So there are enough of these alternative stores offering free apps, so much so that there are several articles and on, on the blog for Codifier. I've got a, one of them listed from Medium. But there are many, but they are listing top alternative stores to Google Play. And what I'd really like to focus on is one particular piece of malware, which I feel brings together many of the security elements I've mentioned into one big bypass to steal the mobile user's money and had the potential to do an awful lot more. Now, only this month, December 2018, for listeners who in, in the future, yet another free app was released on an alternative app store, and that app was called Optimization Battery. Sounds like something you might download if you've got an older phone with battery issues. Uh, I know I do, but mine is a, an iPhone. That would probably be most of us. So here's how this inside job played out. You downloaded the app. It asked for permissions to something called accessibility, and you granted it. You then accessed your PayPal account with your phone. And that's it. What's interesting about the accessibility permission, this innocuous sounding permission which has far-reaching powers like access to screen tabs or OS interactions which are not dissimilar to keyboard and mouse access on your laptop. And what this app did then is it generally waits in silence for the moment that you access your PayPal. It didn't hijack your password or your two-factor authentication details, but instead waited for you to be safely logged into PayPal before it proceeded to try and transfer 1,000 of your cho chosen currency away. Now, there's a fantastic video, I've linked to it in the blog, of this in action, and it shows in one short moment how pointless the two-factor authentication was and how quickly this malicious application could emulate the required clicks to instigate this transfer before you could stop it. Okay, this is the tea break or intermission for this podcast, episode 14, Mobile Security, the Inside Job. And this came from, again, discussions from family over the holiday period about how much we rely on our phones and really the a lack of understanding of really how secure they are. Uh, I'll do a few other mobile security um, podcasts in the future. I think I've got a whole slew of ideas that were generated from these conversations. But what I'm asking for now in this intermission is to share this podcast. It's 2019. Why not get more people that you know into listening to podcasts? They're great for education. They're great for awareness. And I try and keep this relatively short so that you can do it over a lunch hour or a relatively short drive. So why not spread the good word? Tell people about Codifier. 
Our Twitter handle is Codifier. Our Facebook is Codifier. Pretty easy to find us. All right. Okay, now, so back to mobile security and inside job. Now, personally, I think the creators of that app uh, could have been more successful just by not being so greedy. They tried to get a thousand of whatever you had. And if you watch the video, it doesn't work because there isn't a thousand US dollars or pounds or euros or yen or whatever it is in the bank account. So it fails and tries to ask you for more and for more, more money, in which case it's, it's a failure. You would have thought if you just went for 50 or a hundred, there's more likely that more likelihood that more people would have it. But anyway, uh, nevertheless, it was successful enough. So what else could that app have done? Well, a researcher looked into it, and it turns out that the app was capable of much, much more. One of those would be clickjacking. It was capable of overlaying different pages over top of other apps to trick you into handing over credentials or even card details. This could be done on banking apps, email, or e-commerce. It was also capable of intercepting and sending SMS messages on your behalf. This could be used to bypass two-factor authentication. It had access to the contact list. It was capable of making and forwarding calls. It could obtain a list of all installed apps and then install and run apps of its own. And finally, it was capable of communicating outside the phone over 4G or Wi-Fi to a command and control center to take further instructions. All of this was possible, and that is amazing. I mean, the application completely owned the phone. Could that have happened on iOS? Well, I guess no is the easy answer. I mean, the reality is there's probably a way, but it falls into the highly unlikely category because of the closed system that Apple uses to secure applications that are offered from their one store. Now, you might think that Apple is a giant corporate monster luring you into their web, making you dependent on a single supply for your tech needs. Well, yeah, well, yeah there probably is that, but that also brings a significant benefit in its security. Downloading apps from a third-party app store probably sounds a bit rogue and maybe a bit fun, and I'm sure it provides access to all sorts of amazing apps that don't make the Google Play cut. As you can see, though, attackers are specifically targeting these alternatives with a cacophony of malicious, too-good-to-be-true free apps. Tread with caution. Now, the good news, yes, there's good news, is that Android security vulnerabilities and malicious apps went down as of 2018. Google is tightening up the ship on security. Now, despite having fewer detections of malicious code, the number of new variants for Android continues at around 300 new samples per month. Yeah, that's right, 300 per month. In fact, the number of straight-up Android OS security vulnerabilities, if we just talk specifically about the operating system itself, in 2017 was over 800, with 355 being considered critical enough for an attacker to achieve malicious code execution. Now, one of the key factors which makes this dangerous is that Android OS is open source, and that means anybody can download and build the OS, which means anybody can find out how it works, and people do both good guys and bad guys. Now, iOS isn't off the hook. I mean, in 2017, iOS had just under 400 security vulnerabilities, of which only 60 
compared with 355 in Android, were considered critical. Now, known vulnerabilities are a critical problem, as they tend to be, well, like, they're known, right? That means that unpatched devices using older iOS or Android versions are ripe for malicious attack. Add this to the open nature of the application ecosystem surrounding Android, and it can become quite opportunistic for the baddies. Now, I do wonder if the considerably smaller number of reported iOS vulnerabilities is down to Android being open source OS, and therefore there are just more people looking into it and its inner workings than iOS. But I don't know. It's hard. That, that's playing a bit of devil's advocate there. I will add with regard to iOS, many of the vulnerabilities we hear about are by design. I mean, what do I mean by that? There's a really great video on YouTube, and I'll, I'll put it on the blog for this, um, for this show. Uh, Jose Rodriguez, who shows you how you can gain access to a phone's contact list without authenticating. And this is more, well, you have to watch the video, but it's an entertaining and bizarre path he takes to accomplish it, but still a major problem and not something that, in terms of risk, would realistically be achievable without having the phone in your hands. It's a different type of a flaw, but it is interesting. What I'm trying to address in this podcast, of course, is be aware of how access to your phone can lead to a security catastrophe and how we can be more secure. Now, my advice for all mobile users, I guess I would say, uh, but more importantly for Android users, only download apps from the Google Play Store. It's tempting, I know, to feel like a pirate and go roaming around some of the alternative stores, and it's certainly fun to look, there's no harm there, but it's far more risky. In fact, there are alternative stores that have malicious code built into the, the, the store themselves because they're, they're put up by people who, are, who know that people go to these alternative stores. So there's already an additional risk there. But consider in 2017, for example, Google removed over 700,000 malicious apps from their store, the Play Store. That's meant to be the lowest risk store. Additionally, Google added their Google Play Protect. That auto-scans apps right in their store. Other stores don't have that. Now, however, this, this has been labeled as being nice effort, but certainly no substitute for an on-device scanner like from Sophos or Avira or many other, many other uh, on-mobile uh, antivirus packages are available. Now that said, it's something, and Google are getting better and better every year. The number of malicious apps and vulnerabilities in their operating system and in their stores is declining every year because of the efforts where they're putting in. The alternative shops, they're probably just there to sell advertising. So they don't necessarily vet the content and they can, as I said, be very high risk. Now, what's the verdict? Well, let's be clear. There is no perfect in terms of mobile security. Both OSs have issues, but it's the ecosystem combined with the demographic of those using Android that introduces the most critical risk. Greatest at risk? Those who are using older Android phones without fingerprint technology, older OS revisions, and doing so for affordability reasons. For the same reasons that they're using these phones, they are the ones who may fall victim of downloading malicious apps from non-Google Play Store, leaving them highly vulnerable to high-impact security breaches. Now, Android still have a long way to go to reach the security of iOS, but it's on the right path. Users of Android simply need to be more savvy as the platform continues to be an active playing field for hackers. And they can do so by 
making sure they're always upgrade to the latest and greatest operating system uh, and make sure that they're using the most modern technology phone that they can possibly afford. That and only get your apps from the Google Play Store. Okay, I hope you've enjoyed episode 14, Mobile Security and Inside Job. You know, I know I'd, I said at the last podcast I was going to do the next one about alternative cryptocurrencies. And I thought to myself, you know what? I've gone on a little bit too much about that. I'm going to I'm going to take a bit of a curve here and throw something in there that's a little bit more accessible to the world because we all use mobile phones. So I hope you enjoyed that. Um, the next episode is going to be a kind of a blend of things. I've been given a variety of subjects, but I think what this what I'm going to do this time is keep it to myself and watch the Facebook page or the Twitter for advance notice of the next the next show subject. All right. If you've got any ideas for shows, please email me, codifier at gmail.com. All right. Thanks for listening and... I will see you next time.